What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Jonathan Macri with you for yet another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are powering on down the stretch of this season. We've made it past the halfway point. We are past the trade deadline. We are almost the all-star break. And before we know it, we're going to be seeing, um, you know, Kadeem Allen be playing 35 minutes a night. Um, <laughs> and I say that as a joke, except I think most Knicks fans would sign for that right now in a heartbeat for um, several reasons, which we'll get into on this show with. He's usually on um, our episodes that come out on Monday, but we're both movie fanatics and thus um, took last night to enjoy the Oscars. Uh, Jeremy Cohen, one, welcome. Two, uh, did you in fact enjoy the Oscars? I guess so. You know, I really wasn't as hyped for the show itself. I loved a lot of the movies I saw. Okay. But there was something about this year's award show. Even when the Knicks game was on, I lost track of time. And I was like, oh, it started 20 minutes ago. I completely forgot. And I feel like in years past that, that wouldn't have happened. I would have probably brought up a second screen. I wouldn't have been so enthralled in what was going on that I would have forgotten the awards were on. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. I was really happy with a lot of the award winners. It, it felt very evenly spread out for the most part. And then, of course, Parasite rightfully so just sweeping in so many ways um so yeah I, i'd say i enjoyed it overall i guess um as did i uh I, I i too as i wrote in the newsletter this morning was was quite happy with parasites win thought it's very monumental achievement um but <laughs> of course i i think about the knicks when stuff like this happens because i think of like all the people in the world that have their have their things that they love and they root for and like movie fanatics who love movies are like, oh, I just wish for once the best movie of the year could win best picture. And that happens. And I'm like, when is when when is my day going to be here where the thing that I love, something good happens to it? Um, and then I get on here and I talk with you and um, and then I open up a bottle of wine and because uh, I realize it's, it's probably never going to happen. But um, we keep hope alive. Um, so let's start here. Um, I haven't talked to you since the Knicks. Since the trade deadline, and, and we could touch on Mar Marcus Morris if you want to, but I, I think obviously the um, bigger news of the day is that the Knicks, even though it hasn't been announced yet, hired Leon Rose to be what seems to be um, their president of basketball operations. Um, and I, there was a article that came out um, in the Times that is actually more about Steve Stout, who is the um, head of the the branding company that uh, he did work for the Nets, and then the Knicks hired him, I guess, about a month ago. Um, and I and I bring it up before we get into Rose, and I want to get your impressions because 
just reading the tea leaves, and I'll, I guess I'll ask you a two-part question. One, what was your impression of the Rose hire? Um, and two, do you read the tea leaves the same way that I do, which is that Steve Stout and his or apparently very high influence at MSG already was kind of behind this um, in some way, shape, or form? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, for starters, I think much like everyone, I was shocked just how quickly things fell into place, uh, especially the timing of it as well. I mean, it's one thing if it happens even after the trade deadline or over the summer, and then you start to pick up the pieces from there. But factoring that in, just the timeliness of it, and then who it was in the search is pretty much already wrapped. Like I, I joked about this on Twitter, but it's it's true. We figured out, we started and ended, or the Knicks started and ended the search for a president of basketball operations uh, in the time from after the Iowa caucus started and we still don't even know who, <laughs> who won the caucus. Well said. Like, it's that sort of thing where it's amazing at how fast these things can happen, but clearly Dawn was already making preparations and then firing Steve Mills. It was more just inevitable. And we had talked about this, right? We had said it feels like based on everything, the front office is going to go. I, I mean, I certainly didn't think it was going to happen when it did. So, uh, but to, to answer part two, I do think Steve Stout has a significant um, voice in this process to the point where I think that as of right now, you could you could maybe argue that within the building, uh, he's the closest confidant that Dolan has. And when you read all of the articles that he's quoted in and then that have been written about him, and it's hard to talk about Rose and World Wide West and really whoever their GM is because all three of those guys that I just listed are not officially hired. And the third one, we don't even know who it is. Yeah. But it's hard not to read Steve Stout's comments on the, the team and really the Knicks as a company and an organization and not see that they're going, not seeing that the tea leaves sort of read that they're going big here. They want to really tackle the brand right now. And, the way you do that is by acquiring stars, and we've talked about this repeatedly. Um, we've each written about it where it's just like, well, how do you do that? And it'll be fascinating to see, and I'm sure we'll certainly get into it more, but it leads me to believe that it's not just going to be, hey, we got a, we got a new president of basketball operations and World Wide West and a new GM and a good pick. I, I get the impression that they're really going to go for star power to the best of their abilities. So I'm – I'm I'm really increasingly conflicted about this this where where the I first of all I completely agree with you and and I told you before we started and I'll, I'll do it now I, I read a couple of quotes in a, a Times article um, about Steve Stout that I thought were interesting um, he he said one um, and I think I quote tweeted this the other day because Alan Hahn had it he said. One thing I've learned about the organization is they're going to be aggressive at getting great players and bringing great talent to the city. Um, that's the part of the commitment that fires me up. That's one quote. Another one, referencing Durant's quotes about the Knicks like not being cool. I don't think that Durant, who moved, the, moved to the market, can necessarily make that statement in a very factual way. That can't be the case when you see all the business results. Okay, referencing business results when talking about what should make a organization appealing or not that's interesting and then finally um you know how many teams missed on free agency every other team 
one team got two guys and the other team, which led to an investigation referencing the Clippers, got the other guy. Okay, so this is all a lot of lipstick on a pig, which I guess when you're hired to be a branding person for a company like the Knicks and MSG that has had some issues, fine. Um, Bring your whole Revlon catalog with you. I get it. And there's another part of me that's like, you win in the league with stars. Um, bring in like, are they bringing in the guys that maybe have the best chance of going star chasing? Sure, maybe. Okay. Um, but then I think about like an analogy of like you keep going like I don't know fishing or shark hunting or something, and uh, at first you get your your little dingy boat and it doesn't do anything. And then you get a slightly bigger boat and that doesn't do anything. And now you have like a yacht, except it's the same drunk captain of the yacht. And you wonder why, like you're not catching anything. And I, I, I can't shake the feeling that like, I, we, let me ask you this in this way. Would you rather him come out and be like, because this is what I kind of want. Every if he was like every critique the Knicks have gotten over the years is absolutely maybe not absolutely deserved, but like something along the lines of acknowledging their failures and the reason why they have failed and just being like this with with all that we with all the resources that we have, we just know that we need to operate, you know, as the crispest basketball organization in the league. And I know if we do that, I'm not going to have to worry about the brand of the New York Knicks because the brand will brand itself. Like, I, is, is it just me? I, that's what I wanted to hear. And I'm not hearing any of that with the comments that he's made. It's apples to oranges. But I feel like if you took your own job situation, uh, like let's say you work for a company that is floundering for years and you are brought in and you start to say, you know, like, oh, well, we we screwed up. We did this wrong. Uh, we're going to try to do different things. And if your CEO or your boss is someone who is so concerned with admitting failure that you're now bringing a, a you're you're kind of drawing more attention to it. I think that's a problem. And I think that's kind of what he was doing. And, and I believe the New York Times article even said as such where something along the lines of like, oh, well, you know, he, he's not alluding to where Dolan went wrong, but yes, he yeah. then w- when they asked certain questions, he's like, well, the one thing instead of choosing a negative, he turned a positive spin, which I, I kind of liked, actually, which was him saying, like, look, there are a lot of owners in this league who are not willing to pay. And we've got one who is. And I think that's a it's an accurate point. Dolan's never been one to be cheap. That's that's certainly something we can't say about him. But, you know, if it's really just like um needing to hear validation that the Knicks have fucked up. I think the proof is in the pudding. I don't think we necessarily need to see anyone or hear anyone say anything about acknowledging the past. And so I get that's why he's a, trying to can move I to just the say, That's a really good point. And I, it's not one that I had thought of. That's a, yeah, oh, sorry, keep going. Oh, well, thank you. Um, but I, one of the things, and it's funny you that we're talking about this as well, because um, I was saying in the Slack channel that, I'm, I'm sort of writing about this and we'll see after this pod if I want to continue because we might get a lot of the meat and potatoes from that into this. Just tell me to shut the but, fuck up and I'll shut up. No, no, John. <laughs> right about well, the, the biggest thing that really stood out to me was when Stout said, and, and you had one of them, was um, that in terms of the Knicks bringing great talent to the city and, and being aggressive. Now, you could look at that in a number of ways, right? But 
in terms of bringing great talent to the city and being aggressive sounds to me like focusing on established players because you can't, I mean, you can be aggressive in the draft. You could trade up, right? Um, But when you think of bringing great talent to the city, you don't think of young prospects. You think of big name brand players because let's face it, these fans are going to want someone now. And even though a lot of fans are incredibly patient, just as long as it's built the right way, that doesn't mean that the front office will operate that way. Um, I think the one big thing is that Dolan, in my opinion, doesn't agree to the Porzingis trade without Durant and another Max player coming, which means that at this point, Dolan is down a star. He, he had one, you know, and say what you want about Porzingis's contract. Yeah, no, no, we, I, I know where you're going with this and I agree with you. Yeah. Right. So if you're Dolan and stakeholders are very important to him because he really is a finance guy in a lot of ways, or at least that's what he certainly cares about. If you're Dolan, what do you have to sell to the fans, right? Like, look at me. A few friends and I went in on a quarter season ticket plan because we thought, hey, Durant's going to come. And we we were fortunate enough where it's like, okay, well, we have the means to to do it. If we lose money, that's okay. But but look at it this year, right? Why should we reinvest in the Knicks? We love the team, but if we sell our tickets at a loss, if we can't go to the games, and if we don't go to that many games, then what is the offer? What's the value proposition here? And for a lot of fans, especially those who, and one of the articles even talked about this, where I think it was Yaron Weitzman who was talking about uh, the minor leagues and how yes. important that is for families that go out on a fun night. But the the difference in costs between a night at MSG it's not and a night at a league ballpark not are comparable. night and day. Yeah. Right. So, so if you're the Knicks, what are you selling? You can only sell hope for so much. Well, or for oh, so hold, long. hold on, because I think now we're getting into the conversation that we were going to have later about it's so funny how this this really does bleed into the conversation about what we're seeing on the basketball court literally right now. This whole idea of fans wanting the kids to play more. And then we have to turn to the harsh reality. Well, you know what? Some of these kids may not have earned they may not be earning more time than than they're currently getting. And, and we'll get to that. But it's like, it, I I guess I'm under this delusion, perhaps, that if you hire an executive who's good enough, like fans will recognize like think small things, like a like a true system being put in place, and like small incremental improvements. Like you're telling me that fans wouldn't want to come out and watch a team. That was like centered around like Mitchell Robinson and they just got like a bunch of shooters and like, you know, signed, um, you know, I hate to always go back to this guy, but like Fred Van Fleet this summer to like orchestrate. Like I, I just, you know where I'm going with it. No, I I don't. I I do. Yeah. And I don't mean to make comparisons because these players could not be further different from one another. But to me, it feels like from a Knicks perspective, going after a Fred Van Vliet would be akin to um, signing Tim Hardaway Jr. again. And I'm not, again, not comparing the players in terms of play style, in terms no, of anything. I, I, know, I know why you're, I, I get it's it. It's that wow factor and the lack of it. And you see but who's that a making lot of the fans. Move? Who's making the move? That's right, exactly. that's what it comes back to. So, and and is, I don't even know if that's fair to judge. Like if Sam Presti if gets hired, which obviously he isn't now, but if he makes that signing this summer, Everyone's going to be like, oh, look, the Knicks doing something smart, identifying an under under uh, utilized asset in Toronto. Now he's going to be featured 
and what a genius, as opposed to if Rose hires, give me a name, uh, um, Mark Jackson to run basketball, you know, the GM of the Knicks, and he does that, then it's going to be LOL Knicks up and down. And I guess maybe, you know, that gets into other issues. But but there are a lot of fans who won't think that way. And, you know, whether they're right or wrong, I'm not going to get into. I personally don't like Mark Jackson for a number of reasons. Well, that's the majority (laughs) of them are are coaching related. Yes, I I, I was just trying to pick a name of of someone who would get like the ire of like the national press. Yes. But then again, I don't know if the national press would necessarily feel that way because of the fact that Mark Jackson is still in a lot of ways, one of one of the media members, you know, he's that's, he's sort of paid his dues in terms of what he does on television and whether fair. we wish we wanted to mute him. And, you know, I feel like every time I really want to hear him is like, what, like, uh, what does he say? Like, uh, hand down, man down or that, like, that, that, Mama, there goes that man. like, yeah, it's funny. But but again, the thing is that. So I guess going back to Leon Rose, if you ask the the casual fan what they think of Leon Rose, they're they're going to say, okay, I mean, what difference does that really make? Uh, They could see the fact that he has a fantastic clientele list for his former clients and the stars, but it doesn't really make a huge difference. I think it's really the impact is that coach. And when we see the report today, I think it was David Falk who talked about the idea of John Calipari being a coach with the Knicks. To me, I'm not thrilled about that, but I understand. I, I missed this one. Hold on. You may be breaking well, yeah, some news he, to me. Ian Begley uh, wrote about it with SNY, but I see what he's getting at because the big thing is that a big name coach matters more than a Masai Ujiri type name to a lot of these fans. And then when you go with a Leon Rose, it doesn't really matter who your general manager is because we saw this with Phil, Right. We thought that this incredible basketball mind that we know can just do so much, even the fact that he's like in his mid-60s, it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, it, it did. Uh, and the bigger factor was why isn't Phil coaching? And I think Phil coaching would have made a much greater impact in terms of the team's brand than Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek. Obviously, as Phil said, he was physically unable to do it. So it, it makes sense why he wouldn't have done that. But if we're talking about brand perception and we always say it starts at the top right if dolan's removing himself from the process if leon rose plays a part but doesn't do anything to really cause any damage if the gm under him doesn't do anything either the the face of the the brain trust is that coach which is why it's so important for them i believe to find a star because it trickles down and that's the locker room feeling i I think the coaching hire will be very important, but at the same time, I also think, again, if we keep if if we keep downplaying, and and I don't, I pay it a lot of mind the the seeming reputation that this team has around the league, which is that players don't want to, the best players don't want to entrust their careers to an organization that hasn't shown itself to be fully competent. That goes above and beyond the coach. And I think it goes towards something that you keep saying, which you've mentioned brand a few times. You've mentioned per- perception a few times. You, and you've mentioned um, the fans several times. And I, I, part of me wants to be like, fuck the fans. I don't care what the fans want. I don't care what the fans think. No offense against you, Jeremy. I don't give a shit if you want to renew your season ticket package or not. I, I want to trust that my organization is doing everything it possibly can to be as as 
competent and as successful in the long term and in sustainable fashion um as it can as it can be doing and 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 again you know maybe i'm the one being naive here um because really you know if you if this is how you win in the nba today you you get the biggest names and and maybe this is indeed the best way um to get those names and yeah i don't know i i i I guess we'll see. Um, before we move on to talk about the, the actual team on the floor, um, a quick word. Um, I, I don't, I've, have you been on while well, I've talked about forecastsports.com yet, Jeremy? I think maybe you've been on once for this. I think once, maybe once. with Andrew. Okay, so the, this will be second helping for you and um, perhaps the first helping for some of our listeners. So Forecast Sports, um, that's F-O-R-E, cashsports.com. It's a pretty awesome thing that I think you're going to like, especially as we come down the the pike of the season and and the games maybe start to get a little bit more meaningless. And maybe you want to um, invest in some daily fantasy sports betting to uh, up your interest level, shall we say. Uh, ForecastSports.com, what it does is it compiles all of the best analysis from all of the different DFS analysis websites and puts it together. They spend all kinds of money to put it in one place for you to go and basically see what are the smartest bets for you to make in DS- DFS on any given night. Um, it's very affordable. You could do it for a day. You could do it for a week. You could do it for a month. And best of all, if you, uh, you know, maybe you don't win on your DS- DFS on a particular day, they also have a um, something where you could enter this um, up for grabs pool that's for $1,000 every day where all you have to do is answer a few questions about one game on that day. So you could win with the insights and you could win a thousand dollars on top of that. Um, for a free trial, use code one D a Y again, the number one, uh, and then the letters D a Y. And if you like it, then you could use the code Nix for $25 off each month for the life of your subscription. So you could save yourself some nice cash there. Um, and those free trials, no credit card required. Um, so you could literally just try it right now. Absolutely free and see if you like it. So one more time, that is four F O R E cash sports dot com i think i may make some dfs bets before we go into the uh the all-star break they're playing the wizards on on wednesday i feel like that's gonna be a high scoring game especially coming off this atlanta contest yeah could easily be yeah i think i don't know although the knicks have been great on defense so but it's so funny because the last so they're top five uh, this would be a good transition so the knicks are top five in defense over the last dozen games in the league they're they're fifth um with I think a 107.8 defensive rating, 107.5, something like that. Um, and yet in that 12 day stretch, they have had three absolutely abysmal defensive performances. One actually four. Phoenix, um a while back, they had the Memphis game, they had the Cleveland game, and then they had the Atlanta game last night, which was which was just lovely. Um were you uh, were you heartbroken at the Atlanta loss last night? I was I was so beside myself, and then I was so mad at myself for being so beside myself that I let myself get sucked back into this team because they had won four in a row. No, I was not heartbroken. Good uh, man, good for you. Yeah, I guess others would beg to differ, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I mean, you're, you're no, smart. Really, I, I was I was chatting uh, on Twitter with Schmilk. We were in the same thread, and he was talking about just how numb he is to all this. And I can't agree more. Like, I don't know. I I just, my view is the long game makes a lot more sense. Right. And I'm sure we'll get into this debate many more times this season. So I'd love to keep it brief just for now. Sure. It's the sort of thing where 
the long game makes sense, right? And and the long game being what I know, I know, I I I know what it is, but just just spell yeah. it out for our for our it's, friends it's, at home. Absolutely, it's maximizing your assets to the best of their ability. It doesn't guarantee anything. There are no certainties. Completely understand all of that. Um, it's really the goal to ensure that the Knicks don't become the latest version of what I believe is maybe the Orlando Magic in terms of a, a low ceiling team that makes the playoffs. That's great, but I want something more. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that another time, I, but I guess the bigger thing is like the way I look at it is again, because of my ambivalence, it's like, yeah, it'd be great to, to see losses. It'd also be okay to see wins from the youngsters. I, I would not be super opposed to that. Um, I know people are certainly vocal about not wanting the Knicks to lose. That's fine. I'm not going to impose my belief on them. I how, would expect how, the same. How dare you, Jeremy? I know, you, right? Seriously. But again, the, I think the one thing that I'll conclude with is it's like my my viewpoint is it's maximizing long term potential with short term sacrifice versus short term potential and long term sacrifice. Neither's right or wrong. I don't think one should be overwhelmingly negative and the other should be overwhelmingly positive. I think that. They're just different viewpoints because we all, at the end of the day, want the same thing: well, contention. I, I think something's wrong, um, and I'm going to pull up the the game box score from uh, last night and actually the the night before too. My God, they almost gave up twice as many points to the. the they gave 140 points to the Hawks and 92 points the night before to the Pistons. That is um, that is quite a <laughs> that is quite a contrast. Um, yeah. yeah, you know what's wrong. Um, is I want to make sure I, I get these right. Um, Julius Randle, 46 minutes. Alfred Payton, 37 minutes. Reggie Bullock, um, 37 minutes. That's not like, I don't, I don't know that there can be an argument for that. And I, I am the first person to push back against people who say, play all the kids, don't play any of the veterans. Um, because I think people try to make it oversimplistic and they want to see like, you know, why is Dennis Smith Jr. not getting 30 minutes? Well, if Dennis Smith Jr. is not very good, then that's not helping anybody. But there, there has to be a gray area here where, where we're not seeing this, especially, especially since like, it's it's with these guys that we're seeing Bullock. I'll put in a different category because I think yeah he's actually good and and can be helpful. But like, I guess specifically Peyton and Randall, it's like we know what they are. They give and they take away, and rarely is there a night that's going to go by where they give considerably more than they take away. Eventually, before the end of a game, usually the scales are going to more or less even out. And they did last night um, in the in the first overtime when Alfred Payton and Julius Randle, more Payton than Randle, I think, essentially gave away the game. And um, I know you said you were numb to it and Schmilk said he was numb to it. I, it. What bothers me about it is that they were the ones giving away the game. And every time I have these internal arguments with myself about, well, what the hell are we supposed to be doing in terms of playing time and who should get it and this and that and the other thing, it's like, you know what I know for a fact? I know for a fact that there's not a damn person in Atlanta who was upset last night that they got one more win added to their win total and potentially one more knock in their like lottery lottery ball armor. No one cares about that because Trey Young and uh, John Collins combined for a 80 billion points. 
Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. And that's kind of where it's like, all right, well, you know, we got 20, how many more games left? 20, uh, 28 games. Um, I, I, I don't want to feel this frustration for the rest of the year. And I'm curious, A, where you think it's headed. I mean, I guess it would be an educated guess, but whatever. And B, like, where do you think it should head? Like, what is your ideal mix with how they should kind of roll, roll down the stretch of the season? Yeah, I don't really want this season to be determined by mercenaries. You know, I look at the 20, I guess you would be what, the 2017-18 season, right? Where yes. Jarrett Jack played a significant role. Um, and 17, 18, 18, 19. Yes, that was, yeah, that's, that's the Jared Jack year. Yes. Right. I'm not saying Jared Jack is the reason why the Knicks wound up picking as low as they did with Kevin Knox. I'm just saying he played well enough during times that it, it did affect the team. Look, I mean, we can talk about, it's, a, it's eventually going to turn into uh should we, or should we not tank? It's inevitable, right? It just seems, and, and uh, granted, which, Which is hysterical that, because they're twenty games under five hundred. Right, right. It's just <laughs> it's comical it's, to even ask the question. Anyway, I'm sorry. Exactly. They had one no, four right. in a row they, before that, but yeah. Anyway. Yes. If two of the teams in the West that are you know close to the the eighth seed were in the East, we wouldn't even be talking about the potential of a of a playoff berth. Not even for a millisecond. No. Right. And again, it's it's all about the the long run here. And I get that fans really want to see that playoff run. I, I I totally understand, and I don't think that they're wrong for it. I just also see the bigger picture here. And my concern is that the Knicks are going to beat up on bad teams. You know, I mean, the Pacers win was a great win. It was fantastic. But some of the other ones, it just seems like they're mostly against subpar teams. And beating up on bad teams, sure, you play this the teams that are on your schedule, but what does that really show you? And so I'd love to see these games with a healthy mixing and matching of the young players. You know, RJ is going to struggle. Dennis Smith Jr. is going to struggle. Kevin Knox is going to struggle. Frank Nielakina is going to struggle. All these guys are going to have difficulties at times. But, you know, I, I would love to see Mitch start. And I understand foul, foul concerns can be problematic. But just put him out there. There's no reason, for example, that Taj helps you. And even then, like that goes against the argument that I'm saying, right? Which is uh, the one in terms of tanking, because based on certainly the advanced scores and just the eye test, Mitch has a greater impact on the game than Taj does, which just goes to show it then it becomes the more development versus tanking debate, which is, it's like inception at this point. It just goes <laughs> further and further and further in. But, well, I, I don't even care about the playoffs. It's more for me. And, and again, this is not, news to you because you've heard me say it before just like if it's one thing if we're talking about this in 2017-18 and um well maybe even that's not and like Porzingis isn't even playing down the last the stretch of the last whatever it is 20 games or so because he's mostly hurt and essentially the guy you're looking at the roster and it's like all right well who's going to be here long term okay it's Frank Nilakina and who else nobody this feels a little bit different to me because conceivably there's a handful of guys here that could theoretically make up the next core of your team. And I do think would derive some inherent value from like, Hey, 
we started to figure it out then the, down the stretch of the season last year. Let's now bring that over to summer league and then into training and then into offseason workouts and then into training camp. And then like, you know, you start to hopefully pick up steam or the alternative to that, which I'm sure you'll argue, which I guess you'll argue for is that's all well and good. None of it really matters, at least not in comparison to what could happen when you get a, a star on your team, which still the most likely way to make that happen is in the draft. Um, but then we get to talking about this particular draft and then everything goes to shit. So that I, right. I, that's where I'm coming from. I just want to want that to be clear. Right. And again, I this is not what I want the team to do. This is just trying to read those tea leaves we were talking about before. If you feel like this draft is shit. If you want to reshape your brand, relatively if, shit, you should. We should right. say I mean, every draft right. has impact players. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, right. I was just looking at the what 2013, 2014 draft with Wiggins and Parker and Embiid, and it's just an absolute crap fest. And yet, there are two incredible players in that draft: one in Embiid in the first round, the other in Jokic in the second round. You yep. can find them. It's just you know. And the great thing is the Knicks have three attempts at finding what we hope to be are of the remaining, what, 53, 54 players on the board. So it's not all for loss. It's, there's, there's hope there. But it just, again, it goes back to, okay, well, then what are you building towards, right? I still can't shake this feeling that if the Knicks aren't interested in pursuing the avenue that we would recommend, which is gradual growth, because let's face it, Dolan's 64 and the team's been losing for a while. We as fans all thought that, okay, last year was different because Porzingis was out, but now we've got RJ, we've got Porzingis, we've got Frank, we've got Knox, we've got DSJ. Well, wouldn't have DSJ. So the point is there are at least four players there, right, that we thought could be integral to some sort of core going forward. Yeah. And all air went out of the room the moment Porzingis was traded. And I think what a lot of fans may not fully grasp is, and you talked about it with Parasite and we talked about it before, but it's like plans change, that whole thing about plans. So. Yeah. You don't have that star. How do you acquire that star? It might require, unless you have a major facelift through the through trade or free agency, or you get incredibly lucky with a Zion type player. It requires you to, you know, draft a little bit he more heavily. But by that I mean, make sure your picks are better to give you a better chance at getting a top star in the draft. But that's still but, that's still taking it to such a level of chance. And I keep right. going back to the idea that there is no universe where Im improving the even if R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Frank, whoever, even if none of these guys are any are, are a top three option on a really good team, there's no universe where getting the most out of those guys and and it's more than getting the most out of them, but like bringing them up to a certain level of competence such that other teams could look at them because that's what annoyed me for all this talk all, all year about, oh, the Knicks are preserving cap space for the summer in case a, 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 something opens up to trade for a superstar that's disgruntled. Well, who the hell do you think is other team is going to want off of this team if you're not doing enough to showcase them in a positive light? And that's why I, I was going crazy watching the Pistons game two nights ago. Um, and when Frank Nilakina doesn't get off the bench in the second half, like there's, there's no universe where that, that should be okay. Where, where Mitchell Robinson is playing the same number of minutes in a game as Bobby Portis. Like you want to tell me Knox 18 minutes versus 25. Fine. He's been bad lately. Great. But like, 
again, I keep going back to this gray area. Like there has to be a way that we could do this stuff just a little bit better such that guys like you are happy and guys like me are happy. You know what I mean? Sure. But at a certain point, we also have to wonder who is really setting these minutes. Who's pulling the strings? Yes. Because for a long time, I thought it was fizz. And then when Miller did the same things, I then thought maybe it's the front office. And we still haven't seen significant changes, which leads me to believe that maybe the front office still has a factor. But now Mills is gone. And now Marcus Morris is gone. And Mike Miller, who I'm sure would love to still be a head coach in the NBA, is coaching for his own job. And he – I don't think Mike Miller is going to really care about the development of young players for a team that he might not even be coaching in 28 games. Why he thinks that maybe the, the roster that he or the, the, the lineups he assembles are the best ones to victory. I'm not entirely sure. It could still be placating your vets. That's important until you get the memo that no, no, we're shutting it down. Maybe just the status quo is the best thing for Mike Miller. But I do think at a certain point, I, I agree. Yes. There needs to be the right mix, but how much longer do we have to talk about finding that right mix before we even get to the point of, well, what should this team do? Because I really don't want the Knicks to be caught in no man's land. I I talked about Knox and we know about Frank, eighth and or ninth and eighth picks respectively. To me, the last two times, of course, that the Knicks have said like, you know, this really isn't our season. We're not going to go for it by any means. We're actually going to go backwards. It yielded the two best young players that the Knicks have had in over 20 years. I'll, so can I, I'm going to throw Mr. Robinson into that conversation. Uh, the 36 pick in the draft. Sorry. I know it, I know it disrupts the convenient narrative, but I have to, well, it's, but it's it, my it job. doesn't really though. Cause look, I, and I think Mitchell Robinson is a fantastic he, player. He's not an engine. He's not a guy you like you build an all. I get it. No, I, I get right. this difference between them. Okay. I don't think as him as the bedrock of the foundation and the way that I would have that I thought Porzingis might and that I hope yeah. Barrett does. That doesn't we'll mean he can't be a pillar. He can absolutely be a pillar. I just don't think he's the bedrock. I look. Um, I'm, you know what it, all of this is honestly is I. This is probably me being too reactionary to how the lottery shook out last year. Which um, shame on me as a math teacher to take um, literally one event. Um, like literally it was it's just it was one outcome of a of a thing that you know if it played out a hundred times would would come much closer to like what the odds say but um yeah i don't um i don't know i don't know it it, it would seem it would seem that any way you cut it um it just it just it's it it makes more sense to play these kids <laughs> more than they're then they're being played right now, and I'll be very curious to see um, if and when Rose. By the way, I could see like Rose not getting announced until the offseason. Like now that he's been essentially announced as he's going to take the job, like what's the rush for him? If I was him, I'd be like, eh, I'll fucking be in uh, Tahiti until April. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But if what I was going to say is if and when he's introduced, um, uh, will, you know, will we see some kind of a change um, immediately? Um, yeah. I think we're, I think we're going to see something before the end of the season. Okay. I say that because the Phil coaching, I, I want to say it was like March 14th or so. And then that way you have, um, 
kind of a face. You have this new positive. You have a positive spin yeah. going on as your team is floundering. It's because all about let's face the spin. it, <laughs> there will come a point for right. It's all about the spin. There will come a point where the last month of the season, from mid March to mid April, is going to be brutal for the Knicks, and fans are going to want to be kind of tuning them out. And now all of a sudden, you have this brand new leadership. They get to spin beautiful words. You know, I mean, you had tweeted something about it's like. Like, I don't even care if it's true. I just want to hear yeah. the words out of Tom Rose's gotta, mouth. I just got to hear it. Right, exactly. And that, in my opinion, will happen probably within the next month or so based on the – I mean, it also takes time for him to decertify yeah, and no, that's everything. He's got to physically remove himself from the situation. But just in the in the understanding of what it all means to the Knicks and getting started on that coaching hire because you know that they're going to want to do it and get it wrapped up pretty soon. And then they go into, they have to convene for draft meetings. And can we hire you know. the, the GM first? Is that too much? Like, <laughs> can you can, like Scott Perry's still though. there, but like, yeah, I just, it depends though. Cause if you, if you can somehow manage to lure away a star, at least in the, in the NBA world, maybe not from a casual fans perspective, but Someone who's really talented and maybe they're waiting to see how their team does yeah. and they don't want to leave quite yet. That could be gumming up the works. You know what I want? You know who I want to be the GM? I want, want, considering it's not going to be Ujiri or Presti or, or someone of that ilk at this point, I want them to hire someone that I have never heard of in my life. Someone that like only smart basketball people like that are on the inside of the NBA could identify as like, oh, that guy, yeah, that guy is going to be good someday. Give that fucking guy a chance. Let him try to like actually, you know, start to um, make some moves as opposed to the name or the face or the whatever that like people are accustomed to. And like, I- I'm sorry, but like, if, you, if the choice is like John Calipari or Bob Smith, but Bob Smith has spent the last eight years toiling away in like the Miami Heat organization. I'm, obviously making someone up, but like, can we get that guy for once in my life to, to run the team? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done ranting. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to talk anymore. That's I it. see what you mean though. I mean, we kind of wanted that in Scott Perry. We didn't exactly get it. Yeah, but, but that, come we on. That we know that, that you know, this, that's this, not what Perry was. I know. I agree. I'm, and I, I'm with you, right? I've always felt that the next general manager, it'd be great if Dolan could find someone or even president, president of basketball operations. Yeah, if you could get a great name, sure. But I'd also love someone that's really a nobody and hardworking because it shows to me that Dolan is doing a fantastic job of paying attention to the league or at least trust someone implicitly that's, enough to hire yeah. someone who is so good at their job exactly. that that person in his ear knows a lot about basketball. Exactly. So I'm totally with you on that. And I don't think that it can be completely resolved. You know, I think Leon Rose, everything I'm reading, he strikes me as a very intelligent guy. One who really will know when he's over his head and will try to surround himself with the right people so that he doesn't feel that way. Because there's a lot of – I mean we we joked around about Rob Palinka last summer not having any idea about the salary cap, right? Remember when we trolled we, him and the whole idea of I, Andy I Davis trade that. isn't going to go on? Yeah. Right. So the last thing the Knicks want is an embarrassment and that all goes in line with their whole thing about spin and branding. So – I think he will hire guys who he knows who he's worked with. I'm sure he's had a lot of exposure to these types of people in his line of work for the last 30 years, finding key people who he knows he can trust 
and who won't command spotlight. And if they do, it'll be in a positive manner. If if his intentions are pure, which wait, listen, I'm I am always I am always up for trusting rational actors to behave in 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 the way that you're suggesting like to do the best job that they can in front of them um but you know at the same time we know that and i think you referenced the your own weisman piece uh a little a little bit ago um i think he wrote it where he's like the knicks have not always made basketball decisions that are in the best interest of winning basketball games um and hopefully those days are done. Hopefully this is, you know, we've been waiting for that turnaround for a long time. Anyway, um, Jeremy, my, my daughter is here dancing around on the kitchen floor. I think this is her way of telling me that she wants to go to bed. Um, <laughs> my, my, that is duty calling. Um, but before we go, I will give you the floor for any, any closing final thoughts or uh, any, anything else you want to say before we get out of here. Yeah. I mean, just in turn, I guess I'll just plug. I think I'll have something out later this week just in terms of kind of wrapping up all of what we saw last week and some thoughts but again i i think the all-star break is going to come at a great time because i think a lot of knicks fans could use some time to recharge and uh, it's going to be a furious fight to the death between whether the team should tank or not at the end of the day yes it's all a crapshoot totally hear it i i'm still skeptical as to whether this pick will actually play a minute in a nick in uniform and it's Ooh. funny because we said the same thing last year, right, with Anthony Davis. Um, but again, I think it goes hand in hand with the brand. I think the goal for next year is not like – I think it's to make the playoffs, but it's not this bullshit, poorly constructed roster of we believe you're a playoff team when they never were going to be. I believe the Knicks will do what they can to actually make a playoff team. That's a discussion for another time. I'm sure people can – I'll just let that kind of sit and stew. But – at the end of the day, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I want to hear what Leon Rose has yeah. to say. No, I, I'm, I, that's, that's a great place to leave it. Let's hear what he has to say. Um, because I think at the very least, listen, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, as I admit to, I'm, I'm not above being spoon fed some bullshit. Um, I, I, I would love to say that I am not susceptible to such things, but I, I have been time and time again, and I'm sure I will be, um, you know, more um, before all said and done. But I, I feel like we will be able to will be able to glean a little bit more about at least what his approach is going to be um, once he gets up here, and how because because definitely from Stout's words, it's like it's very clear what the what the mo is there so I, i'm curious to see is rose going to be more you know along those lines is he going to be singing a different tune is it I, I don't know i'm just curious and we could we'll, we'll talk about that i'm sure uh when that day comes um jeremy as always it is an absolute pleasure to spend an evening with you um i hope you have a lovely a lovely week as we near ourselves towards the all-star break um yeah, I don't really I think I have anything else to say. Likewise. Thank right. you as always. And one more thing, I read and watched two great things today. One is Prez of PNT. He had a great article on tanking or not. I, I, I have it. that on my browser. I have not read it yet. I'm going to. 
And the second is if you kind of want an opposite view in a lot of ways, not, not total opposite, but a good pro and con, um, I would, I would strongly suggest, uh, Terry of Terry and Trey did a great job arguing on why he's cool with how things are going. So, uh, it's fun to get two different opinions. I loved both of those pieces or both those pieces of content. So highly recommend them both. Shout out to the absolute best content creating community of any sports franchise um, in America because we are how many games under 500? 20 games under 500 now? Too many or not enough. Depends on your viewpoint. (laughs) We are a goodly number of games below 500 and we still have people churning out um, not only content, but actual good content and thoughtful content. And um, I am, as I know you are, um, proud to be a member of this community. And uh, yeah, man, um, we'll see. Uh, hopefully one day we get a winning team to write about. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something? All right, Jeremy, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. And uh, everybody out there, have a uh, wonderful rest of your week. We'll be back with you with another episode, of course, very soon. Yeah.